and I actually was doing an assignment for Cruise Critic covering the third Quantum of the Seas, a Singapore cruise to nowhere. And just to, you know, just to compare the experience to the old days, you know, when you didn't have to wear a mask and such. And it was really interesting. I have to say it was really interesting. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's bonus episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And on this evening's episode, we're going to bring you the other end of the spectrum from our main episode this week. So for those of you listening to this episode first, I suggest you go back one episode to our A Cruise Interrupted by COVID episode, where we brought you Christine's story about her sailing aboard the Coral Princess. Christine was on a 32-night cruise that was one of the last ships to dock when COVID hit. And Christine herself caught COVID on board the ship and we brought you her story, which I think is quite powerful on the last episode. This episode with the new year, we want to bring you a different kind of story, which is Cruising Resumed. And this evening we have a guest with us, Heidi from Quirky Cruises, and we'll be talking more with Heidi about Quirky Cruises in a future episode. But this evening, we want to talk about Heidi's recent cruise aboard the Quantum of the Seas. Heidi's based in Singapore, and she took a trip on one of the first cruises to sail out of Singapore on the Quantum of the Seas. It was in the news recently because it was a sailing that was turned back due to what was a false positive test for COVID on board. And we wanted to talk to Heidi this evening about her sailing and the protocols that were in place on board and what she observed and how she felt about the cruise. And so after that extended opening, let me welcome Heidi to the show. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you. Thank you. So you took a trip on the Caribbean Quantum. Do I have that right? Well, it was Royal Caribbean's Quantum of the Seas. Right. So, right. Uh, yes. Royal Royal Caribbean Quantum. I have it wrong in my notes. And so that is a that is a large ocean liner, right? Do you do you not have any notion of how many yeah. folks are on board? Yeah. So double double occupancy. It carries about forty one hundred passengers. And you know, with the whole thing, every berth filled, it would be just under five thousand. So that would be the normal capacity. And this was a cruise to nowhere out of where. So out of Singapore. So Singapore is a country where I live where there's only about five, six million people. And the government has done a really good job of mandating contact tracing and mask wearing and such. So there's really almost no no cases of COVID here. So it's been a fine place for Royal Caribbean and Genting, which is another big Asia-based line, they, which has another similar size ship. So the Singapore government has has given them permission to do cruises to nowhere. They just started in November from Singapore. So the furthest out is 50 miles approximately. So three and four nights to nowhere in and out of Singapore. Genting started in November. The Royal Caribbean one started uh, in early December. And I actually was doing an assignment for Cruise Critic covering the third quantum of the seas, a Singapore cruise to nowhere. And just to, you know, just to compare the experience to the old days, you know, when you didn't have to wear a mask and such. And it was really interesting. I have to say it was really interesting. Well, and did were they filling the ship to capacity? You mentioned, you know, 4,000 to 5,000 people, or was it reduced capacity? Right. So, so the Singapore government, you know, in concert with Royal Caribbean, but a lot of this is the Singapore government rules. Yeah. So for social distancing, they have to have less than 50%. So on my cruise, we had 1,680 passengers and there is social distancing measures on board. So meaning chairs would be X off certain ones so that people 
aren't necessarily sitting next to each other. You can, of course, sit with your family and friends at dinner and such. But if, for instance, I cruise with a friend, we had separate cabins. So we weren't in the same cabin and we were going to sit at, at a bar stool on two bar stools together. And the, the bartender said, are you in the same cabin? And we said, no. And he's like, you can't sit next to each other. Oh, wow. so, but we could sit next to each other like at a table, but I guess because the bar is even more intimate and the bartenders are right there. So that's just an example of how they're controlling the situation. So you have to wear a mask. And, and those of us living in Singapore are used to it. It's not an issue here. I won't get into politics, but it's just not an issue. Everybody wears a mask here. You have to do the same on those ships. Not, not when you're eating and not you know when you have your drink at the bar. When you're doing a sporting activity, obviously, you don't have to have it on. But otherwise, you have to have it on. So yeah, so the reduced capacity, social distancing with certain chairs block, and mask wearing. Those are probably the three biggest protocols. We, we had to have a COVID test to board three days before you've got the results and that goes onto your sort of account and they can see it. Yeah. So it's not the normal, it's not the old days. That's for sure. Is contact tracing. Royal Caribbean has something called a tracelet, which is a wristband that you have to wear. And that just in case somebody would come down with COVID, they can find out who is near that person and then isolate those people. And then for those of us who live in Singapore, there's an additional contact tracing thing that we have on our phones that we have to have. So that also sort of follows us around. (laughs) Yeah, Singapore definitely had some very strong protocols early on with those contact tracing apps. So, yeah. so yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that the cases are are low and that they're able to open up things in a way that we just are not. Was there anything special about the booking process for these cruises? You know, you mentioned the pre-sailing tests that you had to do and that that gets, you know, sent over to the cruise line. Anything anything extra or additional you noticed though in the booking process that was new? I mean, just that Royal Caribbean, like a lot of lines, you know, have had apps for a few years now, but now you really do need to use the app. So it's not optional, sort of like it has been for the last few years. So you need to pre-register via the app that's on your phone. And then you need to pre-book certain things like restaurants and some of the activities. And you can wait to do it when you get on board, but of course you're taking a chance because there is reduced capacity for a lot of the entertainment and events. So yes, there are fewer people on board, but then there are also fewer spots. Right. In the shows and such. Do not let people just sit shoulder to shoulder. So, yeah, definitely you have to get onto the app. You have to book what you want, you know, whether it's a spa treatment or, or the uh, flow rider and all the activities they have and dining and such. So, so that's the difference. So getting the COVID test and, and pre-booking, those are the things. And what about boarding? I mean, boarding these large cruise ships is usually a, a pain. Do you find it more sort of regimented? Did you have like specific times to arrive? Yeah. So another thing on the pre-book, another, sorry, another thing on the app was, yeah, you had to select your embarkation slot and the window currently is between about 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. And by the time I got on the app, the earliest I could get on was 430 because, you know, the 2 p.m.s had been already taken. So yeah, you have to get your slot so that there isn't a mad rush all at once. I mean, there still were a number of people, but obviously that makes sense, you know, to, to spread people out. So yeah, another interesting thing I didn't mention was the mustard drill is now done either on your phone on the app or on the smart TV in the cabin. It's sort of a good idea. So you can watch a video. You have to watch the video on your phone or the smart TV. You know, it just shows the the life jacket and such. And then when you're finished and they, you know, they can see that when you hit finished, it goes into your record. And then you're supposed to go to your actual physical muster station and tap your card that shows that you did it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the muster experience because I think lots of us have been watching that going, oh my gosh, that's a godsend to <laughs> not have to stand out on deck. So I hope I hope that persists long term. 
So you get on board. What was the cleanliness of the ship like? Your stateroom? I mean, I'm assuming it almost has an antiseptic quality <laughs> sense because they're probably cleaning these things. But yeah, what what was it like? I've, I've taken quite a few big ships out of Singapore, but not lately. So so maybe, say, five years ago, I was doing one or two a year. So I've been on Royal Caribbean and Star. And, and this truly was like a really clean ship. And and even, I mean, it's only five years old, the ship. So partly it's in pretty good shape, the quantum of the seas. But I mean, the cabin was just immaculate. And even the carpeting, like I, I'm just, as a travel writer, I, I just, I'm, I'm always sort of nosing around and often big ships, I don't know, I just always look at the carpeting and often, you know, there are like stains and, but it was just immaculate, not the carpet, nothing. And so, um, but it didn't, it didn't have an antiseptic odor or anything like that, but you know, there, there were, there was more cleaning in the public areas. I was waiting for my friends uh, in the atrium and a chair and I was watching this uh, staff member with her squirt bottle and her rag, like cleaning each chair like in the atrium and you know and I chatted with her for a moment and she says yes they have to do this once an hour in all the public areas so so yeah I mean that you know that's good that makes you feel good but yeah everything was I have to say everything truly was spotless that I noticed it it really was you mentioned talking to the crew I was going to ask you know what was the crew experience like or did did you have a chance to talk to them about how they're feeling about being sort of back sailing I think one of the one of the big questions we've had is there have been some articles recently about crews sort of feeling a little bit maligned by the big cruise lines because you know they couldn't get them home or get them off the right. ships and are they going to come back and work and you know that that sort of thing so I'm curious what the mood of the crew was like on board Right. I mean, it was a harrowing experience, right, for a lot of crew over the months. And, you know, so a lot of the crew actually lives close to Singapore, right? Most, as you know, a lot of crews from Indonesia or the Philippines, and those places are relatively close to Singapore. You know, you still have to fly, but it would be, you know, an hour or two from Indonesia and three or four to the Philippines. But I think, you know, a lot of these folks are eager to work, you know, they come from poor countries and they, they want to work. I think they were glad that they could be there to work. And they truly were so enthusiastic. You know, just, I, I think part of it was that they were eager to be back and they were truly glad to have passengers. And I think that they were also trained, but also to make everybody feel better about the sacrifices that we did have to make in doing some of the things that, you know, you didn't have to do in the old days. So, you know, they, they would go out of their way to say, I'm so sorry, but could you please tap your card again? Or I'm so sorry, you know, could you put your ma- your mask slipped down? You know, like they had to remind you to do stuff, but they were so friendly and just extra, extra enthusiastic. <laughs> like it really was like... Enthusiasm on steroids. Um, But they really tried, I have to say, the the crew really, I mean, seriously, A++ for effort. And and I was there as a media person, but most people were not. There was only five or six travel writers or 10 or something. So, you know, it was like a regular cruise and this is how they treated everybody. They just were so, just really bubbly. And yeah, I have to say, it it was really nice. You've mentioned some of the protocols. I'm curious about things that were sort of available versus unavailable on board. Buffets. You mentioned the spa, which sort of piqued my interest because I'm trying to imagine how you would do the spa. But anyway, I'm just curious, like what what was life like on board in terms of what you could and could not do that you that that you saw? I mean, one thing, and this is based on Singapore's own laws, is that last call is at 10 p.m. in the bars and lounges. So you mentioned that you and your wife like to have an after dinner drink. And so if you do, you got to hurry up, you know, depending on the dinner. So 
It depends. If you're not a drinker and you're early to bed type, then it wouldn't bother you. But, you know, for a lot of people, that's a bummer. And it is a, it's a bummer to me, you know. So 10 p.m. last call. And then 10.30, every drink, and this is the same in Singapore, 10.30, the glasses have to be removed. So either you you know, chug it or you, whatever, it has to be thrown away, you know? So, so 1030, that's it. So in terms of nightlife, that's a big change, right? They, they, they did still have entertainment. One show, you know, we were only there for two nights because the third night there was this COVID scare. And anyway, I can tell you that in a moment. We were in quarantine for the third day, but the second night, I, I you know, I have to say, maybe I, I, I missed that entertainment. I liked it. It was like the silly guy, the British, some British guy, he was juggling chairs and telling dumb jokes, but he was really good though. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good, and I got into that, and that was fun. But yeah, we're wearing masks, and you're not allowed to bring drinks into the show lounge like the old days either. So you can't sip your prosecco or coffee or whatever. But they still had the entertainment. So I'm just saying, you laugh through your mask, and you can't have a beverage. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. What and what about like buffets, the spa, gym, that sort of stuff? Right, right. So the gym had a max of 30 people allowed at any given time. So a lot of places had had capacity numbers. The pools, fit, there were four four pools in the quantum of the seas. And the max at any one time was 15 people. And you, you don't book the pool, but you just waited in a... That is one place where you had to wait in line. So you wait in a little queue. Yeah. And when one person got out, then one could go in. And right, the, the marketplace, Windjammer restaurant is, is the former buffet restaurant, you know, the big one. Yeah. So it's not buffet it looks the same right because all the stations are still there but they just have a crew member giving you your plates and your cutlery and then there's just a crew in each island uh, serving you know so you point to your yogurt and your granola and your blueberries and on your plate or what have you. So, and that works when there's 1,600 passengers. I mean, if it ever gets to back up to the 4,000, then, you know, I don't know, that slow things down. But but it, it was it was fine with 1,600 people. Like it, But you, you can't even get your own drinks. So I have to say, it's a bit of a hassle. Like I, I'm a big water person. I drink like a 1,000 glasses of water, you know, from the machine or whatever. But you have to sort of wait. The guy has to, you know, he has to give the ice and the water. And I go, oh, no, can I have some lemon? You know, like you can't do that yourself either. You can't, so... It's all, it's all served for you. Well, I, I personally welcome the change to the buffet a little bit because I've always thought that that's the spot that everyone, you know, if there's something going on on board from an illness standpoint, that's the spot where it's probably most likely to get transmitted. Yeah, so, true, true, um, true. yeah, I, so I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy to see them make those changes, but your point is well taken. You throw 5,000 people at that thing and <laughs> it's going to fall apart pretty quickly. Disney Cruise Line fans would probably love the, uh, the pool situation though, because, uh, it's kid soup on board the Disney fantasy <laughs> and Disney dream inside the pool. So if we could get a little space to actually splash around, it'd be great. You alluded to the fact that, so this was supposed to be, I think, a four-night cruise to nowhere, and you had a little bit of a COVID scare that caused the ship to turn back. So for our listeners, this was a cruise that was recently in the news. Uh, depending on when this episode is released, it could be, you know, a few weeks ago now, but this was the Quantum of the Seas was in the news. And so, Heidi, what happened? When, when did you hear about the COVID scare and what happened? Right. So I was on, they, they do, they're doing three and four nighters. I was on a three nighter that departed on Monday, December 7th. And it was, I was supposed to, we were supposed to get off on Thursday morning, but in the middle of the night after the second night, so 2, 2 a.m. on Wednesday. Okay. So 2 a.m. Wednesday, we were all awoken when the captain came on the PA system. And, you know, that's never a good thing when the captain wakes up the ship in the middle of the night. So I, knew, <laughs> I heard his voice. I'm like, oh shit. The only other time the captain woke, woke the ship up that I'd been on was a man overboard. And that's a whole other story in the Caribbean some years ago. So it wasn't that. It was like the captain saying, I'm sorry to disturb you, but the ship is now in immediate quarantine. If you're not in your cabin, please come back to your cabin. 
Of course, most people work because everything's closed. So immediately from 2 a.m., he did not mention COVID in that first uh, announcement, which was interesting. He just said, you know, we'll update you soon. We're heading back to Singapore. Get there by 8 a.m., which is about six hours later. And you're to remain in your cabins. We'll bring you food and we'll update you and blah, blah, blah. So so that was that. And and then by 8 a.m., we were uh, docking back at Singapore. So we were able to dock. We didn't have to anchor or anything like that offshore. And he came on at 8 a.m., the captain, and he did say there's been a positive, one positive case of COVID. We're going to keep updating you. So then we knew one. And he goes, the, the person and their family members and anybody that was uh, near him, which they could tell from the contact tracing, would also be isolated. And so we were updated every few hours. And by about 6 or 7 p.m. that same day, they said, you know, we can definitely disembark this evening. And so we could start disembarking around 8 p.m. So we weren't quarantined overnight. It was not any disaster like the Diamond Princess or anything like that. And then we all, you know, we, we got off, we had to get an antigen test on the way out. And, and that was part of the situation, no matter what. So as you go through the terminal and you have to do different scanning and this and that, then the antigen is just in the lower part of your nostrils. And, but you're allowed to leave immediately in Singapore, even though you don't know if that's positive or not. And then by the next, I think a few hours later, by the time we all got home, that's when this, the original man, his tests were retested. And I think he was also given fresh testing on land. Anyway, and they realized it was a, a false positive, that first one, because three more tests on him were negative. So, so then the cruise had ended early for nothing. But I, I guess the plus is that the contact tracing and the protocols did work, you know, like, and, and people were reimbursed for that third day that they lost. Nobody panicked. Nobody was up in arms. I mean, Singapore is a compliant place for the most part. And, you know, when, you know, people, I think, knew the risks that this was possible. But, but yet it did seem almost impossible that this could happen because there are no cases in Singapore almost every day. The government sends this email around that we all get and it's like zero, 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 zero. So in a way, it's like, wow, how the hell did that guy get it? So... Yeah. Singapore and New Zealand, two places I would like to be right now where life is a little bit more normal. I'm curious, you know, so I think this particular, I'll just say incident made the news. And then, you know, I think it sparked just a little bit of a debate around folks on one side saying, see, it's too early to go cruising and folks on another side saying, see, the protocols work. Exactly. Yeah. I'm curious, what were your thoughts? Again, I understand that my, you know, I'm American and I understand that some of my American friends, you know, when they saw my my social media posts and my stuff on Cruise Critic, I could read some of the messaging. And like you said, some were like, well, who has any business cruising now? And I'm like, certainly in North America, I agree. But, but, <laughs> yes, but no, for sure. of course, like you can't do it in so many other places, but Singapore is different. It's different. Like there are, there are no cases. This is so controlled. People are compliant. People wear masks. People listen. I'm just saying it's a different can of worms here. Um, and and it's, it was a cruise to nowhere. And the man didn't have it. Like, it, it, you know, so I I think to me, the protocols worked and, and, and it's not for everybody to take a chance and to deal with all the restrictions and the, you know, 10 p.m. last call and the this and that, and you can't sit here and you can't do that. Like, not everybody wants to jump through those hoops, but if you are willing to jump through the hoops, Singapore is the place to do it, for sure. I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but yeah, there's nothing wrong with it starting up here, right? People need jobs, people need this, people need that, but I, I don't have that attitude. Trust me, like in North America, I would not have that attitude. Yeah. Yeah, there are lots of people here when you get get back to cruising, and yeah, we got to learn some lessons from the other countries who are really enforcing the protocols and abiding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's not a political show, but I'm just no, saying you no. can't have your cake and eat it. 
if you follow yeah. the protocols and you wear your mat, you know, and whatever, then you can do more stuff. If you don't want to, fine. Well, then I don't know. Then you can't. Then travel's going to suffer for a long time. Yeah, or we're really going to have to wait for the vaccine, right? I mean, we're really going to have to wait for it to be broadly in the population. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. We're not. You're right. We're not a political show, but cruising has become so politicized. Um, I, you know, I did have one other sort of just technical question, Heidi, which is: so are these? Were there folks on board your cruise who had traveled into Singapore to cruise? Right, I should have pointed that out. No, no, you had to be a Singapore resident, so nobody can fly in and go on a cruise. No, that's not allowed. So again, you know, it's a very specific set of criteria and. And again, that's why I'm all for it here because you, you, nobody's flying in. And the crew, people are like, well, they flew in. Yes, they flew in. And there's always a chance something is under the radar or somebody's asymptomatic. I mean, of course, that's possible. But, you know, the crew, there was a, there's a strict protocol for them when they first came back but before these cruises started. They had to quarantine in their own countries. You know, you could say, well, how, how is that proven? But anyway, they were supposed to quarantine in their own countries. And then they had a strict quarantine in Singapore, like like all of us. I, I was in the U.S. in September and I, I was somebody who had came back to Singapore. You go into a hotel, like from the airport, you're put into a hotel or a facility for your quarantine. You know, you're, you're taken there in a bus or so it's not anything volunteer, like it's you're monitored, you're watched, you go into a place. So so knowing that, I was fairly confident, you know, that the crew is okay and, you know, um, COVID-free and et cetera. So. Well, Heidi, last question here for you on, on this cruise. I'm curious, of the protocols that you saw on board... Any that you hope continue going forward? I mean, you mentioned the mustard drill. I think a lot of us are really hoping that virtual mustard drill just becomes the norm in the industry. But but anything else you saw on board where you're like, that's a really good change. And I hope that that just stays. Right. So besides the mustard, I think the buffet, like you said, I don't mind a lot of that. I, I would like to be able to serve my own um, lemonade and coffee and stuff. But I agree. Like the, the overall serving by crew in the buffet is a good idea. Um, I think some of the stuff that you could do on the app, even even the slot to embark sort of makes sense. You know, you know how it is. Like sometimes you show up for a big ship cruise and there's like no no line and you don't even know why. And other times you're like, oh my God, it's like a snake line. And so anyway, I, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, I think that's that's a good thing that might might continue. Um I, I guess mostly that stuff. Um, you know, nobody wants to wear a mask long term. While I'm certainly willing to do it now, but you know, so uh, so I would say. I mean, I don't know contact tracing. Again, we're used to that in Singapore. It doesn't bother me. So if that was something for a while, if you had to wear like that wristband or something, that that I, I think that's an okay idea. Like p- people can fib or people, but if they have this thing that says these people were near you and that person had it, then I don't know. I, to me, that gives me confidence to go on, on a ship. Not, you know, that's the, that's the plus. Anyway, and I guess the other thing is, yeah, if, if the ships can sail less than full, I know that cruise lines don't want to do that long term and they're going to lose money and it's, you know, I feel bad for them. But for the passenger, yeah, I mean, I certainly don't mind not having the ship packed to the gills, you know. Was it odd? I mean, to have 1,600 aboard a 5,000-person ship, I imagine it felt almost empty, or did it? I mean, at times, it sort of depended where you were. But yeah, I mean, the nightlife, like in my cruise critic articles, I had to sort of do the pros and cons. And yeah, a pro, a, a con is that it's it's a killjoy. It's a buzz a buzz kill. Like the, the nightlife, it doesn't feel like there's nightlife. To, and the, yeah, it's, it, there's not a lot of buzz. So so yeah, that is, that's because of the fewer passengers, and that's because of the, you know, the the 10 p.m. thing. So yeah, that's that was sort of sad. 
Was it was it relaxing? That's the other thing I've I've we've we've said on the show a few times. Like one of the reasons that we're not interested in some like you know getting on board a ship as soon as they start sailing again is this sort of like oh does it does it actually feel like a vacation if you're if you're sort of constantly kind of worried? Now the situation is probably different for you because of Singapore and how well they've done here. But but I was just curious, did it feel like a vacation or or not? Yeah, I mean, I think I can answer for myself, but like you've probably seen on these. Um, when, chats at the end of articles about this topic. It just depends. Like some people there, they'll do anything for a cruise and they're still find it relaxing with a mask and with the rules. And then a lot of people just wouldn't be. I mean, just honestly, I, I'm there as a, as a journalist. So I sort of have another reason to be there. But I mean, there were relaxing times. I was with a friend, which I always do because I, I want to feel like a real passenger. If I'm not with my family, I want, I'm with a friend because I want to be like the other passengers who are usually with other people. And she and I, it was relaxing a large degree. We had a lot of, you know, chit chats. You know, we did a speed walk along the upper deck walking track, you know, which was really nice. And that, that was relaxing. And we're having drinks together, eating together. We, we were on each other's balconies. I have to say, it's nice to have a balcony. So and a lot of things were relaxing. Yeah. I mean, not the same as it was, that's for sure. But well, your point is a good one. It's an individual decision. And I do agree with you, by the way. I hope they can. I think this is an opportunity for cruise lines to make investments in technology to make the passenger experience better while also sort of serving the needs of, you know, kind of this self-service opportunity, limiting, like just limiting contact where it doesn't need to happen. You know, I think about the lines of guest services on board a Disney cruise line sailing. So much of that could be handled through an app and it would just improve the guest experience and also limit an interaction that just doesn't need to to happen but for the fact that it's not in an application i also think those cruise bands are great and i'd love to see them be you know several lines have had those kinds of things the ocean medallion that sort of stuff more for guest experience i think there's a way to accomplish both you know so you know and i also think that they're going to be great going forward not just for like covid it'd be great for norovirus and other things like if you know when someone gets norovirus like who have you been exposed to so we can keep the, let them know and and keep them isolated so it doesn't continue to spread throughout the ship so yeah it's it's it, i hope that kind of stuff they make the investments in the technology because i think it will be a massive improvement for um customer experience on board. But well, Heidi, thank you for sharing your story. I know you mentioned you've also shared it on uh, an article on Cruise Critic. Where can folks find you and connect with you if they want to hear more about this story or more about Quirky Cruise, your small ship website? Yeah. So I would love if people could visit the, the site, quirkycruise.com with no S. <laughs> you can subscribe to our updates. Pop-up window is there. That would be great too, where I share highlights of our best articles and, and special deals that we have sometimes. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Twitter, I'm not a huge Twitter person, but I'm on all three under Quirky Cruise. And then the Quantum of the Seas articles I did for Cruise Critic. I still freelance from time to time for Cruise Critic, uh, CNBC.com. So yeah, the, the Quantum thing you can find at least two articles on Cruise Critic. Have a look. <laughs> yeah, I definitely check out Quirky Cruise. It's a great site. And Heidi has some fantastic articles out there. So really recommend checking them out. So Heidi, thank you so much for coming on this evening. Thank you. It's been fun. hope you enjoyed our episode with Heidi. We've, we've got another episode coming out with her in a few weeks about her website, quirkycruises.com, which focuses on small ship cruising globally. And she's got a lot of really interesting small ship cruising opportunities over there at her site. So I really encourage you to go check it out. I thought it was interesting to hear about the quantum of the seas and her experience with the protocols on board. I suspect that some of those protocols will be making their way to us in the near future, especially if sailing returns before 
we sort of get through all of the vaccinations that are coming up here in the spring and fall. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned a little something. And we will keep looking for these opportunities to bring you folks who are sailing out there uh, right now and tell their stories. So with that, I do want to thank everybody for listening this week to the bonus episode. Uh, We really do appreciate each and every one of our listeners out there. So thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us those five-star reviews, especially those five-star written reviews. They are really helpful in surfacing our content to people who might be looking for a show like ours. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at DCL Duo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. And we do have a new DCL 101 series video should be up today or tomorrow. So check that out. You can also join a discussion with us and other fellow cruisers on the DCL Duo vlog and podcast Facebook group. So head over there and hit join and we will approve you into the group so that you can join the conversation. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney Family of Theme Parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have a question about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL duo. Good night. (laughs) 